Welcome to the Faith Lighthouse Church message of the week. We hope that you enjoy this teaching. For more information about this message and other resources, visit mylighthouse.church. Today we're continuing our series that we started last week called After the Rose. Um, the whole idea behind this series is to kind of take a, a, a branch off of the, the TV show The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. And, you know, the whole idea behind that show is, you know, that these couples get to know each other, uh, or a a man or female, whatever, get to know the individuals who are there to potentially be their husband or wife. And after each episode, he or she will hand a rose to the people that that he or she would like to get to know. And then the last episode, he hands, or at this season is The Bachelor, he hands the rose to the one person that he wants to marry. And then they live happily ever after. Well, we all know that happily ever after, it doesn't always happen. Um, and, and we've been, and, I mean, from the littlest all the way through, I mean, all the Disney movies usually end with the tag at the end and they lived happily ever after. We, if you are married, you know that happily ever after can mean a whole lot of different things. That we are trained to believe that getting married will solve our problems. That getting married means, man, all of that beforehand, that was the rough stuff, and now life is good. Well, maybe not. (laughs) It's not always that way. And so we want to take a look at this and what happens after the rose. And so if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to to go to our website, mylighthouse.church, the new and improved mylighthouse.church. Thank you, John, for your hard work on that. And uh, go to our media page and you can listen to last week's message. But a lot of people do believe that if they get married, that that solves their problems. That once they get married, life is good, everything is wonderful, but that's just not the case. But the whole idea behind this, again, is to look at, you know, marriage is not necessarily, when we say I do, that that's it. That a whole lot happens before we say I do, and a whole lot happens after we say I do. That there's a lot of ups and downs, there's a lot of challenges that we have to face. There's a lot of things that we go through. And one of the things that I love is is seeing people that have been married uh, for 50, 60, 70 years, however long it may be, and, and to see them, you know, ask this question, what's the key to successful marriage? You've probably seen those stories on, on the news and things like that. You know, they ask, what's the key? And everybody has something a little bit different, right? It's a little bit different for every, every person, every couple will say different things. But there are some things that, that are true of every marriage. That there are things that are, are, are universal truths for all people in all marriages. And so I want to take a look at one of those, those truths today. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to second, or I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, if not, if you don't have your Bible, we'll have it up on the screen for you, but Philippians chapter 2, reading verses 1 through 11. If you have any encouragement being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, and any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not look only to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but, he, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. 
And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at that name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's, there's, there's a universal truth in here and there's something that I want to take apart. That, that you think, well, what does this verse have to do with marriage? When we think about marriage, we often think about love. Right? I mean, we think about love. We've got it in the back and the, uh, by guest services, a whole big sign that says love. And we encourage you to go take a picture with your sweetheart. Get a picture and post it on Facebook or whatever you'd like to do. But we often think about love. Marriage equals love. Valentine's Day is coming up, gentlemen. A couple days, just forewarning. Valentine's Day is coming up this week. So if you haven't already prepared for it, you're welcome. So love, we often think about love, and and love can come in a variety of different ways. Love is not always the same for every person. Love can be shown in a variety of ways. Love can be shown in a word. It can be shown in an action. It can be a gift. Whatever it may be, love can happen in any number of ways. We often see, however, love is associated with sacrifice. You see, the picture is clear in Scripture that Jesus was loving to all of us and sacrificed his life for us. To love as Christ loves means that we need to lay our lives down. We need to sacrifice. And in any marriage, in any relationship, I'll take it a step farther, in relationship, if we want to show love, it means that we are sacrificing for that other person. That we're not just thinking about our own self-interest or our own desires. You see, I believe that Jesus is our role model for marriage. How he lived his life, what he did, his life and ministry can be a role model in our marriages and even in our relationships. Again, I know this series we're talking about marriage specifically, but it goes beyond that into our relationships and our dealings with others. That Jesus is our role model in our relationships. If I were to poll most people and say, do you want to have a successful marriage? You're probably going to say yes. I want to have a successful marriage. We need to understand if you want to have a successful marriage or relationship, then you need to be able to look at your spouse and put their needs before your own. Go back to verse 4. Verse 4, it says, Each of you should not look only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Now, verse 4, it doesn't say, yeah, just a couple of you. A few of you, a handful of you, but each of you, all of us, should not look to our own self-interest, but to those of others. If we want to have a successful marriage or in relationships, then we need to look at the, the importance of putting other people first. Selfishness has a way of sneaking its way into all of our lives, especially marriages, if we're not on the lookout for it. I've said this before, I'll say it again, that you do not have to teach selfishness to anybody. Go over to our preschool classrooms or go visit a preschool or daycare. You don't, there's no lesson on, okay, kids, let's gather around in circle, and we're going to teach you how to be selfish. They know it automatically. It, that's mine. That's mine. That's mine. It just, you know, like those seagulls from Dory, mine, mine, mine. That's, it's ingrained. And now that's stuck in your head. You're welcome. 
But it's one of the things, it's a universal thing that we don't have to teach anybody selfishness. But we need to be on guard on our marriages and relationships to keep on guard of selfishness from coming in. When we we allow that to come in, we're only thinking about our own needs, our wants, our desires, and we're no longer modeling Christ in our relationship. It should be the goal of every believer, not just in, in marriage, but of every believer in our dealings with every person that we put other people first, that we look at other people's interests and not just our own. It should bring us joy to see our spouse happy and fulfilled. It should bring us joy to serve our spouse. But again, selfishness has a way of coming in and we become more concerned with my own wants, my desires. This is what I want. This is what I need. And you're not doing that for me. And then now it's just all on what I want and not how I can serve my spouse. It can happen to all of us if we're not careful. We believe that it's the job of our spouse to make us happy. Now, Men, sometimes we can buy into this, that it's the job of our wife to make us happy. It's her job to make us happy, that that she's here to meet all the needs of the family. She's supposed to stay barefoot in the kitchen taking care of the youngins. Yeah, that's not happening. No. But there is that thinking, well, doesn't the Bible say that the woman's supposed to be, you know, subservient to the man and she's supposed to do everything? Mm, Let's rethink that. (laughs) let's rethink that for a moment, shall we? Yes, the Bible does talk about that the man will be the head of the household. But if we are to model Christ in every area of our relationship, whether dealing with our kids, co-workers, family, that includes our wives, our spouses, that we are to serve them. If we are going to model Christ, that yes, God has has established the, the, the household, and there's a reason for that. That there's a reason that God established the husband as the head of the household. Go back to Genesis. God created everything. What did he say? It's good. He created everything. It was good. He created man. Uh, He he said it was good. He said it's good. But what did he say? It is not good that man is alone. It's good. Everything is good. Man is good, but it's not good. Amen to that. It is not good for women if you've left your husband alone for any length of time. Okay, the first time you left your husband alone with the kids, what was, you probably didn't even enjoy your time, whatever you were doing, because you're thinking, my gosh, is he going to remember to change their diaper? Is he going to feed them? Is he going to feed them anything healthy? Is the house going to be on fire? Is it, what is going, I don't know what I'm going to walk into. And, and the men are thinking, I don't know what I'm doing. I remember when we had kids and, and Rebecca left and she went back to work. And I'm like, it's just me and the kid for the first Why? What do I do? It's not good for man to be alone right now. God, you're right. It's not. God ordained family and for women to be our helper. But that does not mean women should be our servants. That is not what the Bible says. That we, and, and, and how can we serve our wife if we just see her as our personal servant? If we're going to imitate Christ and be everything that he has for us, then it's good that we serve one another, that we put the interest of our spouse before our own. It's important that we understand that, that we clearly see that if we want to imitate Christ, then that is an area in our marriage and our relationships, to put others first. Yes, it is the job of the husband and wife in the way that God has ordained it. 
but it's still to serve and to love one another. If we're thinking selfishly and only thinking about our own wants, needs, and desires, then we're no longer thinking about our spouse. And how can I serve them? Just how can you serve me? And that can create an unhealthy dynamic. The key is how we serve one another. If we want to show love, if we want to show, well, how can I serve my spouse? How can I do that? If, if we see the importance of it, if we understand that serving is important, that we keep selfishness out, then what do we do? How does that practically look? Some of you may have heard about the book, The Five Love Languages. It, is, it truly is a great book. If you've never gone through it, I encourage you to do so. As a matter of fact, I would encourage you to go to the, to, to the website. If you want to grab your phone right now, write it down on a piece of paper, fivelovelanguages.com. If you've never gone through this before as a husband and wife, go to fivelovelanguages.com. Okay? You can take a free assessment. And, and, and the reason why I encourage you to do this is because we all speak a different love language. Again, love is universal. Love is, is something that we base every relationship on, but especially marriages. So if you, depending upon your love language, it depends how you can serve your spouse. One of the, 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 the love languages is acts of service. So if, if a husband, I'm just going to use from a husband's standpoint, if I think the way to show my wife love is by buying her a diamond necklace or a, a diamond bracelet, but her love language is his act of service, then that gift is not going to do very well. Now, I'm, she's not here, but I'm sure she would, yes, I'd love, a, yep, there she is. She's raising her hand. I'll take it in a heartbeat. It may not be my love language, but I'm taking it. <laughs> so, it's important that we understand that because what would be a better gift, well, yes, I want to give my wife nice things, what a better gift would be is to serve her. And to see areas that I can help her through her daily life. Something that I can do. Another, another example of that is if, um, you know, another love language is um, words of affirmation. And so, again, if you think buying a gift would do it, but it's actually your spouse just wants to hear, thank you for putting the, the, the clothes in the dryer. Thank you for, you know, picking the kids up from school. Thank you for whatever it may be. That is how you can communicate and find ways that you can serve your... What happens a lot of times is that we're speaking two different languages. That we're, I'm trying my hardest. I'm trying to serve you. What's wrong with you? Take my love. And like, but you're not giving it the right way. That, yeah, I, I, thanks for the gifts, but I really don't care about the gifts. I just want you to leave work 30 minutes early and, and spend time with me. Really? That's it? Yeah, that's it. Because that is your love language. Quality time. Spending time. That, that taking 30 minutes off of work and just spending time with your spouse may mean so much more than any gift that you can possibly buy. So when you go through this and you see, wow, we, maybe we've been talking two different languages. I want to show you love. I want to show you affection. I just, I didn't know how to do it. And now when you both do it, one may be gifts of affirmation. One could be just gifts, you know, or whatever it may be. You can talk the same language and share that commonality that this is how we can show love to one another. That is a key area that many relationships struggle with is that they, they want to serve. I want to imitate Christ, but I just don't know how to. So this is a great thing for you to do. I'm giving you a little bit of homework. Go today, this afternoon, over lunch or over dinner. Take time. It doesn't, it really, it doesn't take that long, and it gives you the results back. You don't have to, I'm not signing you up for anything for lifelong, anything. Don't worry about that. You can opt out of emails or whatever, all right? I get no commission off of this. 
I want to be transparent. Yeah, he's just trying to sell something. No, I'm not, I promise. I'd be, if I was, I'd be honest with you. Yeah, it'll make me a couple bucks. And then I can buy her a diamond necklace. I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> just kidding. But honestly, this is one of those ways that you can find to serve your spouse that you want to. You don't want to be selfish, but I just don't know how. If I were to, to give you some, some options, if I, if I were to stand here today and say, you know what, I can, I can lower your chances of divorce to, to one in five, would you be interested? If I was to say, I could, you know, I could I'd give you the, the surefire way to lower uh, a divorce to one in ten. Okay, that makes, how about one in a hundred? Okay, one in a thousand. If you do this, it'll, it'll, it'll bring your chances of divorce to one in one thousand. Now, Dr. Greg Smalley, and this, this survey goes back a little ways, but back in 1997, he did a, a Gallup poll showing that the divorce rate for couples who pray together plummets to 1 in 1,000. Couples that pray together, the divorce rate plummets to 1. Now, we've been taught, right, that every half of all marriages end in divorce. Half of all marriages end in divorce. But yet, when we see couples that pray together, we see an astounding statistic happen that the divorce rate plummets. See, a way that we can keep selfishness out of our marriage is, one, finding out how to communicate, and number two is to pray together. That's why I wanted to give away those books today, to, to, to give tools for you to pray with your spouse, to spend time and, 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 and to understand the value of prayer. It can be intimidating to pray with your spouse. I'll be honest with you, it can be intimidating. But it starts with very small steps. It, it, last week, I encourage you to, to, if you were here last Sunday, to, to grab your spouse's hand and just hold the hands together and just simply pray. And that oftentimes, that's all it takes, is that for you to just sit and hold each other's hands and just silently pray. Well, I don't want to speak out loud. I'm, I'm not comfortable praying out loud. That's a lot of people's fear and trepidation. But if you would just grab their hand and just, you know what, just for a few minutes, let's just pray silently. Then over time, if you stick with it, you'll be amazed at the benefits that come as you gain confidence to pray with your spouse every day. Whether it's first thing in the morning or before you go to bed at night, just grab each other's hands and pray. Start off by praying silently or to pray out loud, however it may be, but you're praying for each other. That is how we keep selfishness out of our marriages and out of our relationships. When you are praying for another person, you're not praying for yourself. When we just pray for ourselves, we can become self-centered in our prayers. I'm not, well, I should never pray for my, no, yes, you should pray for yourself, but that shouldn't be the only person you're praying for. When you're praying for your spouse, you're putting them first. You're putting them above yourself and your own needs and desires. When you pray together, it keeps your, ha your hearts softened towards each other. This may be me. But I have found when I pray for other people, it keeps my heart, my heart softened to them. And it's really hard to keep a grudge somebody that I'm praying for. Unless I'm praying, God, you know, make a rock drop on their car. You know, <laughs> what exactly are you praying? I understand that. But when I truly, genuinely pray for somebody, it changes my perspective. And you might be having issues in your relationship and your marriage, but if you truly pray for them, you may gain a better perspective on their life, and God will soften your heart to their needs and their desires, and God may show you ways that you can serve them, ways that you can speak into their life, ways that you can encourage them. 
But many times we, we struggle with that because we're just so focused on ourselves. So in your bulletins, it's, it's important to have your bulletin today. In your bulletins, there is a guide to help you. I couldn't give a book to everybody. I wish I could have. Maybe if I, you know, sold some books or, you know, wrote a book or something. I don't know. But I told John the other day, we're going to write a book, and I don't know what it's going to be about. We're just going to write a book and see if people buy it. I don't know. But I wanted to give something, put something in your hands to help you pray for your spouse. Pray with your spouse. Pray for your spouse. That It's a prayer guide that every day of the week, he gives you something different to pray. And you'll see the benefits that will come when you put your spouse first. When, if you keep this in your Bible and you open it up and you pray for them or you do it together as a couple, what, however you may do it, it will, uh, it will keep our hearts softened towards them and, uh, and keep selfishness out of our hearts. The third thing, the, the third way that we can keep selfishness out is by staying connected. If we want to say, show love, if we want to be selfless, then we need to stay connected. Something that, that I realized um, over the course of our marriage, Rebecca and I, we've been married for 15 years now. And for the early part, well, for most of our marriage, she worked the night shift. And so we, at you know, various times, depending upon what was going on with ministry and life and kids and, and things like that, I felt like we were kind of like two ships passing in the night. Like she would, uh, you know, she would sleep during the day and then I would go to work or I'd be taking care of the kids and then she'd get up and we'd eat dinner and then boom, she'd be back at work again. And, and, and that was just our routine. That was just kind of how things went. But, but I noticed there were times that we were, man, we were on the same page. Like you talk about, you know, use the analogy of a book. We were on the same, same page, same paragraph, same sentence. Like we were in lockstep. But over time, I realized that, that we would kind of drift apart. And I'm like, I feel like we're not even in the same library what happened? Like, we're usually, you know, when we make decisions, we're both on the same page, and we're, but it just, what happened? And I realized over the course of time that, that we allowed a, for us not to connect with one another, that that's what happened. Because we didn't spend time talking to each other, that we allowed our schedule to fill up, and we were taking care of all these things, and whatever may be going on, that we lost connection with one another. And selfishness would, would creep back in because then I would think, why is she doing that? Why is she doing? These are the things that I think that she should be doing. And then I was not thinking about serving her, but why isn't she doing things for me? Not realizing she just worked three 12s in a row, she, and sometimes four. That is a lot. And I took it for granted. And well, why, well she, she works four days in a row, 12 hours a day, whatever. Who cares? She can come home and you know, get two hours of sleep and go off to the you know, movies with us and the kids and whatever. I was a stay-at-home dad for far too long. <laughs> and, and I was like, well, you know, and so a part of me, I realized, like, she needs to come home and meet our needs as a family. But it was because we were not connected to each other. When we sat down and we talked and I heard about her day and things, it was like, my gosh, I'm sorry I ever thought that way. You need to sleep. I, I'll take the kids and go somewhere. You need to sleep. And that kept us connected that's one of the reasons why we're offering the great date night in a few weeks. That we believe in healthy, strong marriages. And we want you to connect with your spouse. That we want you to spend time not worrying about the kids, because that's obviously a big concern. But to, to bring the kids over, they're going to have a fun time. They're going to play some games, watch a movie. It's just going to be a fun evening from 6 until 9. This is, just, this is the first time we're doing this, but we're going we're gonna to make this a, a normal thing that we do. To allow you a place to bring the kids so you and your spouse can go on a date so you can stay connected. Because 
what you need to do and what I'm encouraging you to do is if you take a part of this or if you go on a date night, even if you don't take a part of this, put this device away. Don't just, amen. What we don't want you to do is drop off the kids and then go out to eat and then both of you are scrolling through Facebook. How's your day? Good. You know, eat. Okay, whatever. And then, hey, let's go catch a quick movie. Don't talk during the movie and then come back and pick up the kids. Oh, yeah, that was a good date night. Um, no. Put the phone down. Only check it if, you know, if we, you know, if a phone call comes in from us, from the church, you know, okay, well, get your connection, contact information. And then spend time talking to each other. Ask each other how life is going, how your day went, what are things that God is speaking to you, what are some things that you're going through, what are some challenges. And then after dinner, don't go to a movie because you can do that any other time. Go to a coffee shop or go to a park and just walk and spend time together. Spend time connecting with each other. One of the greatest issues that happens is when we become selfish is we become disconnected. It means taking time and saying we are going to devote this time. We're going to spend the next two or three hours just connecting. Think back when you were dating and you're like, oh, that was a long time ago. Okay, that's fine. But, you know, I, I, I was in preparing this message, I, and, and somebody else brought this to my attention. We were talking about the church and things like that, and um, somebody made a comment. Years, they, they had attended this church years ago. And they, yeah, I, I did a lot of kissing in that parking lot. <laughs> Me too! <laughs> <laughs> Natalie's back there too, so I'm in trouble. But we grew up together. We were in the church youth group together, but we would spend hours in that parking lot sitting and talking and kissing occasionally because you know it, hey we're on church ground like nothing nothing you, god will strike us dead if anything i would i would honestly like i would feel bad if i put my arm around her in church because i'm like oh my gosh people are thinking something's going on like god's gonna strike like mm, don't do that so kept us honest but 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 i was like man we would spend hours just talking to each other i don't even remember what but we connected with each other and as in our marriage, what can happen is if we don't stay connected, we begin to drift apart. So we need to go back to the times and connect, going back to when you were dating and when you first met, and allow the busyness of life to, to not control the conversation, but to connect with one another. If you will take time to connect with your spouse, going out on a date either once or twice a month, that will keep you connected to one another, and that will keep selfishness at bay. That selfishness can interact and can come into our hearts and our lives and marriage and any other relationship. But I want to encourage you to talk and connect with one another. You see, sacrificial love is evident when we put others first. Jesus modeled that. We see that clearly that Jesus modeled what sacrificial love, putting our needs first. That he gave of himself. And we need to do that in our relationships and our marriages. That if you want to have a healthy relationship, then you need to be willing to sacrifice. Not just what can you do for me, but what can I do for you? And again, if you're not married, if you are going to be married, these are lessons that you need to hold on to right now. But even just in our relationships as a whole, that we need to think that how can I model Christ in my everyday life? How can I serve the people that I interact with every day? What are th because when we do that, we're no longer thinking of ourselves, we're thinking of others. It's easy for us to be selfish. It's easy, well, this is what I want, this is what I want, and this is what I want right now. 
But that's not what God says we should be focused on. Should be focusing on others. How can I serve others? How can you serve your spouse? What can you do this week to serve them? With every head bowed this morning, can we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us once again? That whatever may be going on in your lives or even in your marriage, may we just, just for a moment, just ask the question, are we serving our spouse? To, to do a little self-examination right now and say, Lord, am, am I truly serving my spouse the way that I should be? Have I allowed selfishness to creep in? And, and, and again, if you're not married this morning, please don't just think, well, I've just got to check out that, that maybe there are some areas in your life that you're like, maybe I've become selfish, that instead of focusing on others, I've just focused on myself. And maybe God is saying in this season and time of your life that focus on others. How can you serve other people? How can you show the love of Jesus to others? That we need to keep selfishness at bay if we truly want to, to imitate Christ, it means serving others. It doesn't mean that you just get run over like a steamroller. That obviously if there are issues within your marriage, then I encourage you to, to seek counseling. Talk to somebody. But ultimately, when you're evaluating your relationship, going, yeah, there's, there might be some areas that, that I've allowed selfishness to creep in. Maybe I've been too demanding. Maybe we're just not talking the same language. Only the Holy Spirit can reveal that to you today. I can't speak exactly to every person and what you need to do or how you can transform some things, but the Holy Spirit can. And that's my prayer this morning is, Holy Spirit, you would speak to every relationship, every marriage. I have this sense that... that the enemy is just attacking our relationships and our marriages right now, just as a church body. And right now, Lord, I pray against every attack of the enemy, that when we allow selfish thoughts to come in, that, that those would flee, that we would stay connected, that we would pray for our, our husbands, our wives. Lord, only you know every marriage in this room today, but I know that you have have a plan for everyone. And I pray, Lord, that if there is any struggle in any marriage this morning, that, that the love will be rekindled once again, that, that the passion will be there again. For those that, that may have already been married at one point in time, Lord, I, I pray that, that you would continue to, to heal their heart, that you would continue to, to, to help them navigate through the, the difficulties God, I ultimately know that you have a plan for every single one of us. That there's a purpose for each and every person. And that marriage is not the solution to every problem. Sometimes it can create more problems. But through it all, we know that we're going to trust in you. And again, Lord, I pray for every marriage today. That we've been encouraged by your word to seek you. And for every person that is not married... May we seek and find ways that we can imitate you with every relationship, every person we come across to serve, to give of ourselves. That we won't be focused on just our own needs, wants, and desires because that's not what you did. 
Jesus, you came for every single one of us. You, you laid your life down for us to the point of death on a cross. And we thank you for that today. Thank you that you died for me. Thank you that you died for my sins. And if you're here today and you say, you know what, I just, I just need to ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior, then simply say that. Acknowledge him as Lord and Savior. Forgiver of your sins. That he lived a perfect life and died for every single one of us in this room. And, and even beyond that, for every person in this world, we thank you for that. We commit our hearts and our lives to you. May we live by your example. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to have healthy relationship, healthy marriages, then sacrifice. Be willing to sacrifice. Thanks for listening to the message of the week. If you've enjoyed this teaching, would you consider a gift to support the ministry of FLC? Visit mylighthouse.church forward slash give. Faith Lighthouse Church is located at 3409 Paul Buckman Highway in Plant City, Florida. Our weekly worship services are held on Sundays at 11 a.m. We also have various life groups and programs for all ages that meet throughout the week. We'd love for you to be a part of what God is doing in Plant City.